Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn them over to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be wrapping our study up here this morning. And uh, it's been quite the journey through Scripture, a journey with Jesus. Last week we, uh, we were looking at the disciples' response or how they responded to the resurrection. And again, they, they made some decisions that we could glean from, some important things, hopefully, that we took away from that. And uh, again, our, that response that they had was important then, but it was also important for us today as, again, it serves as an example uh, for us in this last day, um, our response to the resurrection as well. So uh, a couple of things that we did see was they could either go or they could grow. And it was a, a two-sided uh, thing there. They could either go away, they could run away, they could say, you know what, we're done with this. Uh, this is too crazy, it's too scary, our, they were in hiding, our families are in jeopardy. They could have just gone away from the faith, could have gone away uh, from the commission and the work ahead of them. Um, or they could go and tell. They could say, you know what, this is what our, our, our Lord has called us to do, so this is what we're going to stay and, and do it again. And that was kind of the other side of the grow. They could grow strong through the trial. They could grow strong through these circumstances and say, we're going to keep forging ahead regardless of how fun or easy or comfortable it is or isn't we're just going to keep going ahead we're going to grow through this or they could grow weary and again make some very I think detrimental mistakes in that uh, by giving up and and not giving their all for the for the Lord so again we know what they did and uh, I hope that it continues to encourage us today but this morning I want to look at their response to that commission uh, the commission that Christ gave to them, the commission that still stands for us today in 2018, and see what we can't learn from that, uh, from their response, and again, how it applies to us. So let's pray, and we're going to jump into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for what we've experienced in the music already, the, uh, the opportunity just to, to, to get still, to get quiet, to get apart from everything that's going on in, in our world and our lives, and focus on you. Lord, we know that's one of the great blessings and the great special things that you've given to us uh, in our worship services as we get to just come apart for a little while we get to get out of the, the 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 busyness and the craziness and we know that there's things maybe going on in our minds and our hearts but we get to come together and we get to focus on you and hopefully we can set all that aside because you're worthy of us setting it all aside for or you're worthy of us focusing on you and giving you our all every day uh, but again, in this special moment, we as your people uh, focus on you and, and worship you. We thank you for what you've given us already. We thank you for the specials and the hard work of all the, uh, the singers and the choir and uh, musicians. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to move throughout this service in all of our hearts, all of our, our lives. Uh, have your will right now. I pray your word would, would come in. And uh, whether we're extremely familiar with what we're going through or if it's brand new to someone here today. Just have your way in each of our lives. And uh, Lord, if there is someone here that's lost, uh, they're not 100% sure that they're going to spend eternity in heaven with you. Uh, that before they leave here today, they would at least ask someone, how do I get that? How, how can I know that I can go to heaven when I die? 
Lord, maybe they'll respond at the invitation. Whatever, whatever your will is, I pray it would be accomplished in that. And we pray that you would just bless now. Use me as a vessel. Lord, we want you glorified and you alone. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 24. Again, we, I want to just kind of read a couple verses we saw last week. And then uh, we'll move forward. Verse 44 is what I want to look at. It said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Verse 47, And that repentance and remission of sins or forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So, again, we saw this. Jesus uh, walks with these men, and, and he finally opens their understanding, explains everything, basically what the Bible was written for, which was standing right before them. God so loved the world, Jesus Christ in the flesh, come to die for the sins of the world, be raised again the third day. Again, Jesus opens their understanding and says, now this is the whole purpose of all of this. That repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached to all nations. And it would start here in Jerusalem. And so, again, he gives them this very clear explanation. And we've said this here recently and said it many times before. Why they were even there. Why they were even going through this. Remember, these two guys were struggling with um, the fact that Jesus was kind of playing coy with them. He was like, hey, what are you guys so upset about? Like, where have you been, man? Why? I mean, haven't you heard Jesus came and, and they, they crucified him? And he's like, oh, tell me more about it. You know, and again, kind of keeping their, their, their eyes from seeing who he was. Um, but some important notes from all of that is, number one, he opened their eyes or opened their understanding because the Holy Spirit hadn't descended yet. And, and the reason why I think that's an important point, you'll see that here in just a minute in one of our points um, in, in the responses. But uh, the reason why Jesus had to spiritually open their eyes is because, again, because the Holy Spirit was working, but he wasn't active in the way that he would be from the day of Pentecost on. And so um, Jesus had to do this work. But the second thing to note about this is that he showed them that Christ had to suffer, had to die, and had to rise again. You know, this is something that some people wonder about still today. Why is this so important? Why is the gospel so important? Why is Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen, again, so important. Um, one of the reasons is that the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. And, you know, I've taught this before as far as why does it have to be blood? Why has it always had to be blood? Why did God choose that? Even from the very beginning when sin entered into the garden, why was there an animal that was crucified to cover them with animal skins? Um, if you remember... It was the Lord that breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. How was it that, that man had everything he need, needed, but he wasn't a living soul? It wasn't until God gave him life that he became a living soul. But the Bible also says that the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And so everything we have in our body, everything that's provided for our body, is provided essentially through our blood. 
oxygen, nutrients, all of that. All of our organs work together to get it to the furthest, most extremities. And, and, and so that's why a lot of times uh, people, you know, when, when stuff starts shutting down, it becomes very detrimental uh, because nutrients and things aren't getting to the places they're supposed to get to. And so, again, this is why Christ had to die. He had to die because blood had to be shed, not just anyone's blood, the blood of the only Lamb of God, the only worthy Lamb of God. And so the third thing is this. He explained that repentance for the remission or for the forgiveness of sins was to be preached. If you look back at that verse, it said to all nations, to all nations. And its start would be Jerusalem. And that's, that's vital because at this point in time, I promise you this, those disciples were not thinking about the United States of America. And praise, praise God that the apostles and faithful men and women uh, missionaries and pastors throughout the ages have carried this commission on because now you and I here in 2018 in, in Fort Worth, Texas are beneficiaries of that faithfulness to this commission. Amen. We know that we have eternal life here in America because this was carried out. Again, it's important, number four, because he promised the promise of the Father to them. And the Holy Spirit is that promise. Again, uh, many people don't really understand, I think, the work of the Holy Spirit. They don't, and I think because the, the, the work and the interaction of the Holy Spirit among mankind today is so widely abused in certain realms and certain, you know, well, let's just call it denominations and religions. I think they're, it's so abused and skewed that uh, people are sometimes afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit and afraid to, 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 to cling to the promises that are contained with the Holy Spirit's help and, and comfort and things like that. Um, but again, this is an amazing thing to, to hear that there's a promise coming. And the promise, again, was the Holy Spirit. And the fifth thing is he told them to wait in Jerusalem until they received that promise. And, and the power that would come along with that promise, which, of course, came from the Holy Spirit. So these things are very important um, things. But this is something that we also looked at. I want to cover again in verse 50. It goes on. It says, and he led them out as far as, uh, as, as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass... While he blessed them, that he parted from them and, 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 and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, this is something that is so vital for us today because these first disciples, these, first, these apostles saw things, experienced things, lived through things that we today are believing by faith, that, that man... Uh, I, can't, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. to. I mean, I, I've tried to wrap my mind around some of the miracles that Jesus performed, and I cannot do it. I mean, I, can you imagine seeing uh, the feeding of the 5,000? I, I cannot imagine what that would be like. I mean, you know, I, I know Hollywood, and, and, and they've tried to really do a good thing, and I think there's some, some good illustrations they put out there, but I've never seen that with my eyes. I've never experienced that in my life. But having, you know... All right, we got two fishes and five loaves. What, what are we going to do? There are a lot of people out there. And that he would start breaking it. And, and then at the end of it all, there would be so much left over. How does that happen? I mean, what does that physically look like? Those disciples, those apostles saw it. They saw the, the, the funeral procession passion, passing by, this, this dead child there. And Jesus say, get up. And that, that dead person be alive again. Now, we've seen that before time and time and time and time again, spiritually. People have been born again. We've seen people's lives changed and saved. That miracle's happened over and over and over. We've witnessed that. 
But I've never seen a physical body be raised from the dead like that. Can you imagine Lazarus coming, hopping out of the grave? I I mean, holy moly. I I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine somebody, again, they were saying, look, he stinks. You know, don't call him out. Wait, what are you doing? This is not going to be a good situation. But he comes out and he's bound in his grave clothes. He's alive. They knew he was dead. But all these miracles, these guys had had seen this. And so, again, the resurrection was another mind-blowing miracle. Jesus told them it was going to happen. He told them in three days he would rise again. The angel reminded the ladies there, hey, he told you, he he rose just as he told you he was going to do it. And now he's risen. Now his disciples are seeing him. And now he's telling them, this is the whole purpose of it all. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for these things. The Bible says they return with great joy to Jerusalem. I would imagine great joy. They just saw Jesus ascend to heaven. I've never seen that either. I mean, these amazing things they saw and witnessed with their own eyes and and experienced it in their own emotions. All these things. Realities. And so maybe some people's excuse to not witnessing for Jesus Christ would be, yeah, if I was like the apostles and I saw all that stuff too, I would have no promise telling everybody that Jesus is the only way. But now when I go and tell people today, it's, it's like a story to them. It's, it's, it's like a, uh, the, I've got to convince them to believe this, this, this narrative, this fictional story, and it has to be non-fiction to them in some way. So it, that's why it's so hard for me to witness. Again, maybe not, but I think some people have that mindset that, to try to convince somebody that Jesus was a real person. He was not just a real person. He was God in the flesh. He lived a sinless life, which what does that look like? Many people try to picture that, but we have no idea what looking, living a sinless life in every way, thought, word, and deed. But Jesus did that. He was put on a cross. He died. He was really dead. They put a spear in his side. Water and blood flowed out of his side. They put him in a grave. He was done. The body was dead. But three days later, he rose again, completely alive, appearing to his disciples, teaching them, eating, hey, give me something to eat, (laughs) you know, that's what he said, and then, okay, now this is what I want you to do, go tell everybody what you just experienced, go tell everybody that I'm real, that I'm the only way, and again, it may, in our minds, be easier for them to have done that, but here's where I think we miss out, it's the same exact God Same exact Jesus, same exact Holy Spirit that would come to them that lives in us who believe. And if it has been a real life-changing experience, it's just as real when we tell it as it was for them. Now again, yes, they experienced the physical part of it. They experienced the, you know, the the fleshly experience in in these things, but... um, I think that we can grab a really great example from, from their response to the commission, and, and it'll help us today. Um, this, this weekend, we kind of went down Glory Road a little bit. Um, they had put together something for, um, in my senior year, we won the state championship in baseball up here at Basel. And I, so a couple people asked me already, so is this the only championship Basel's ever won? Is that why they're doing it? I said, yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
I mean, you got some schools, they got like championships all around their school, you know, and Boswell got one right out there in the middle of the center field. It's one. One, one, but hey, praise the Lord. It, 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 was, it, was, uh, it was a neat time. But, um, and somebody, speaking of Glory Road, somebody said, uh, or, or it was a comment or something, uh, bitch, I could throw a football over those mountains. Uh, if, if you know Napoleon, then you got that joke. But um, Uncle Rico days. And what was funny is I didn't, really, I didn't really say anything about this, but there was a couple Uncle Rico days as we're having uh, this, uh, what it was is a reunion, and then they recognized the, the state championship team on the baseball field this past Friday night. And so I'm standing up there with some of these guys who are most of them half bald by now, and, um, <laughs> and uh, just different. we looked completely different than we did because they had a picture of the, the team there by the concession stand, and I, I was like, man, we were kids. In our minds, though, we were not kids. And sometimes me and Rochelle will we'll drive down by TCU, and, and these 13-year-olds are running across the street. Amen. Yeah, they look like 13-year-olds. But they're in college. They're not 13. They're, you know. um, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Well, we're standing on this field next to this varsity baseball team, and I'm like, these are kids. <laughs> they made varsity. You know, <laughs> They don't even look like they're old enough to be in high school. But um, some of them did. But... Um, Anyways, we were up there talking, and we were, uh, I was talking to one of the, the guys, and, and I said, uh, oh, no, he, he started the conversation. He said, you know, I, I feel like uh, give us 30 minutes or so to warm up, and we could take them. <laughs> and I said, I said, I was saying that down there earlier. I mean, we might make it for two innings, but we could whoop them for two innings, I think. You know, in, in our minds, that's where we're at, and um, but it just, it just, it brought back, I think we really could, but, um, that's in my mind, but it brought, I, I share all that because I was thinking about this message and, you know, in our church, we, we preach and, and, and we teach and, and we emphasize the great commission and, and we encourage getting the gospel out in your individual lives, at your work, in your neighborhood, be a part of our five mile mission, trying to get the gospel. We, 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 we talk about it and preach it a lot. And, and there's a reason why I believe that the Lord has n never left me alone with this. Uh, because that's the plan. That's the plan. And, 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 and I was sitting there or standing there and talking with some of these guys. And, I mean, you could just go back, you know, 21 years, like, bam, just like that. And, and take you back. And, and, and I heard some of the guys talking about certain stories and games and, and just antics and things that were being done. And, and you can go right back and, and go right back in that same mindset and how it even felt to uh, be a part of that team and, and how, how one-track-minded we were. Uh, even I, I remember going back to the very beginning of the season and, and um, we had these tournaments out in, in um, East Texas in, in Lufkin and, and these were 5A powerhouse teams and we, got, we went out there and we thought we were pretty good and we got spanked by these 5A teams. And it, it, we hadn't gelled yet together as a, as a, as a group. But, man, we, we didn't, as soon as we got spanked, we, we didn't like, hey, we're going to give up. We're done. Why even play anymore? No, it, it caused us to dig in more. It caused us to come together more. And, again, we entered into that, that tournament, the 4A tournament, the state tournament at, at, at the end of the season with the worst record of all of the teams there. And, but I'll say this. We knew we were going to win. 
Like, it, it wasn't a question in our mind, and that wasn't like cockiness or confidence. That was the togetherness that we had. That was the, the fortitude, the strength, the, the, the mindset we had that we are not going to give up. That is the goal. We are going to win this thing regardless of what it looks like. And, and, and here's the, the funny part about it. We started the tournament, we started the state championship game on one day, and we got rain delayed, and we have fin- it, it, it was a game that lasted for two days um, because of the rain delay. But nothing, and, and a lot of people were like, oh, they're going into this. Are they going to get cold? Are they going to come back out and lose the game? In our minds, it was just one track. One track. We have one goal. We have one purpose to accomplish. And I share that story um, because I, I know what it's like, and it, and it feels like to have that 100% togetherness, that 100% um, oneness of mind and heart and for, for one goal or one purpose, one mission. And we have that as the body of Christ with a goal and, and with the reward and, and with everything that is so much more important than any championship on this world. It is so much more valuable and so much more uh, substantial. We should be, as the people of God, uh, on the same team with the same mind, same heart. We should all be just at, even more so than we were in, in that team so many years ago. It should, be, it should be the fact that, that we cannot wait. We cannot wait to, to, to get out there and do the work. Because that's what it's all about. But if you have there in Luke 24, look at verse 52. Look what happens. So they worshipped him there. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Look on in verse 53. And were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. It wasn't like they said, hey, all right, let's all figure, we got, he's going to give us the Holy Ghost, we'll figure this out on our own, you know, oh, we're, we're all going to be the temple of the Holy Ghost individually. No, 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 no. They went back together, and they were together, and they were worshiping together, and they had this great joy together. They were together as the body of Christ. They realized he told us this. We're to be together in this. And again, as I shared Wednesday night, I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that this great falling away has been happening in our culture, for, uh, in our world for so long. And uh, I shared the letter. Some of you may have been here. Some of you may have not. Uh, but the, the, the gentleman writing the article, a church research expert, if you will, um, said 20 years ago, that what was considered being active in church was three services a week, and you were considered active. Now, it's considered active if you make three services a month. Well, it's not just the mindset of church attendance, though. It's the mindset of Christianity as a whole, of our purpose on this earth, of our togetherness, of all these things. And, and, I, and I look at what these people had just experienced. They had just experienced the risen Christ. They had just experienced his last charge. They had just experienced his ascension back into heaven, and, that, and, and now they have this responsibility. Okay, what do we do now? We told them what the first thing they needed to do. You need to go back and wait. I don't want to wait. <laughs> That's our, our, our mentality still today, right? I don't want to wait. God, give it to me now. They said, go back and wait. Why, why would he do that? You ever wonder that? Why did Jesus ascend to heaven? Why didn't he just immediately 
send the Holy Spirit to them there on that mountain? He could have, easily. He said, I'm going to go up, and when I come down, you're going to see this, 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 like, this, like a dove descending. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit. He's going to rest on you. He's going to fill you with power, and you're going to be endued from on high, and you're going to go out and be witness. It's going to happen today. You, you, ever, you ever wonder that? Why didn't he do that? I mean, maybe gave him some, some room to, to start second-guessing or, or how long would they have to wait? And, and, I mean, they could get together and their flesh can get involved and they could get off track and, and not, not do what he had commanded them to do. Why did he tell them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for this to happen? I think that we could speculate many things, but I see what happens in the process. And so we know this is God's will in the process so obviously, it was some of the purposes of them going back and waiting. One of the things is that they were together. One of the thing, another thing was they were praying together. Another thing is they, they stayed together. They worshiped together. They were together. This, this going back and waiting caused them to be together. We got to go back and wait. Hey, no, 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 don't, don't leave. Mary says, go back and wait for this promise. Yeah, but yeah, I got a lot of stuff to do. Seriously? <laughs> he told us the Holy Spirit's coming, you know, and you got something to do. You know, again, what would be more important than that? We could call this keys to effective witnessing. We could call it keys to effective soul winning or effectively leading others to Christ. We could... You know, why is witnessing so important? Why is preaching about it so important? And again, using the, the team analogy, can you imagine um, a coach? I shared this in our new members' class this morning. Can you imagine a coach walking into the locker room before a game and being like, all right, guys, I don't know why we're going out there today. But let's go out there. Let's go out there. Bob, where's your equipment? Bob don't got equipment? Okay, that's all right. Yeah. You don't need to be prepared. You don't need anything. Go out on the field with us anyways. You know, can you imagine a coach? There's no way. I mean, Bob doesn't have equipment. So, you know, Jim Bob, his cousin, doesn't know uh, what the plays are. Um, the coach doesn't know what to tell the players to do when they get out there. They're not going to be a successful team. But I can tell you this, there are things that my coaches through the years would tell me every single day, every single week, and every single pregame. Not just every single pregame, also every single postgame. One of the things my coaches, I shared this with you all before, uh, some of you heard it, uh, our, our football coach, one of the things that he shared postgame every single game, even if we won or lost, is he, he talked about the man in the mirror. He talked about being able to look the man in the mirror in the eye. And he, and he was talking about, hey, you know whether you left everything out on that field or not. You, only you, you know that or not. Now, we can watch film and we can, we can speculate, but it's in your heart. You've got to look the person in the mirror in the eyes. Only you know that. I remember that every single time. So if, if, if earthly coaches for, for sports that are going to go away one day, that we're going to get too old to play one day, if coaches do that, 
then why wouldn't pastors, why wouldn't churches always say, hey, this is the plan. This is, this is the objective. This is what we're here for. This is what we're going to go out when we leave this place. This is what the, the, the point is. We, we got to be together on this. Everybody's got to have the same mind. Everybody's got to be ready. Everybody's got to go out and do this. This is what God's called us to do. This is why we're in the game, period. And so when we look at this, keys, again, whatever it is, keys to effective witnessing. First point is this, witnessing is ineffective without spending time with God. That's in your notes. If you got the notes there, uh, you can follow along there. But witnessing is ineffective without spending time with God. You know, it's hard to care about something that you don't really care about. Right? Uh, again, I'm just going to keep using, I guess, sports analogies. I don't know. Um, some of you can associate with that. Some of you can't. But um, when you've got a player on a team that doesn't seem to care um, or cares more about themselves than they do the team or the goal of the team, uh, it, it's, it's toxic. It becomes detrimental to the team. Uh, some of you know that the Cowboys just released a, a well-known receiver. And, and I'm saying, you know, I, I'm not going to share opinions, but I will, I, I will, say, I will share um, some things that I have observed. This receiver, uh, apparently, in, in my opinion, is all about himself. I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying at any point in time he's not tried to advance the team's cause or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I, I just believe, and, and a lot of them become like that. I think the business, I think the nature of it all uh, can... can lend someone to go that way um, but it, it seems like hey this is this is about me and I think part of it was evident when he said it's personal and and then he said I, I want to be in the same division because I want to play them again I want to prove a point it, it wasn't about man I was paid a lot of money to play a game I was given a great opportunity and I had many great years, all these things, and I, I'm taking away from that an appreciation that you can't take away. I hope to go somewhere else and, and, and further my career and, and help another team do really well as long as my body will allow me to do it. No, it wasn't like that. It's like, all right, you're going to kick me to the curb, I'm going to prove a point to you. It just seems like someone's saturated with this, not thinking about the team, not thinking about what, is the, what, what was the, the overall benefit for this. So again, it seems like maybe he cared more about himself than he did the team. So I'm just saying this, it's hard to care about something that you truly don't care about. And we say, I care about God, I care about the things of God, I care about the mission of God, I care about what God has called me to, then if, if, if we really do, it's going to show it's going to show, I care about the church. I care about the work. I care about my Lord and my Savior. I care about what he's called us to. It matters to me. I want to be a part of it. I want to be connected to it because I care about it. So it happens with our kids, right? We, we stay connected and invested. Why? Because we care. Luke chapter 24, verse 52 and they worshiped him. Acts chapter 1, we jump a little forward in time, and all these continue one accord in prayer. Look at that again. All, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all 
in one accord in one place. If we skip to verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Look at these words. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together. And had all things common, sold the possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Verse 46, look what happens. And they, together, continuing daily in one, with one accord in the temple. Again, people say, well, the, the, the church isn't a building. Yes, it's a building. It's not this building. I'm not saying the church is this building. The church is this building. Us, the people. We are the building of God. The church is not a building. So uh, it is a building. The church is a building. It's, it's made up of people. It's made up of us, those who believe. So anytime there is something in the importance of the church, it mean, it's talking about the importance of the people, the importance of the people of God. And we have, a, a praise God, a great meeting place. But the church is so vital. It's so important for us to meet and to gather and to, 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 to be in one accord, to be continuing in one accord it says they continue daily in one accord in the temple they were together and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart look what happens they were praising god and they're having favor with all the people look what happens when all this goes on the lord added to the church daily such as should be saved see when when the people of god were together and they were praising the lord and they were they were all on the same page they all had the same game plan they all were going the same direction God did something that they could never do themselves. The Lord added those that needed to be saved. I want you to notice that these first disciples knew 100% that Jesus would do what he said he would do. There's no, I believe that there was no doubt in their minds that these guys knew Jesus was going to send the, the Holy Spirit. Again, think about what they just experienced. There's no way they didn't know, oh, he's coming. So we'll wait in Jerusalem as long as it takes. They were 100% convinced that the Holy Spirit was coming. That's why they were doing what they were doing. That's why they didn't leave. That's why they didn't say, hey, you know, it's been a little too long. I'm ready to go. They stayed because they knew Jesus would do what he said he would do. They saw him rise from the dead. Well, they didn't see him rise, but they saw him as the risen Christ. They did see him ascend to heaven. They had experienced the power. They knew that Jesus was the source. They knew that, look, if we try to go out and do this on our own, or we try to go out as individuals, or we don't stay connected together as he commanded us to stay, if we don't do it like that, we're going to miss it. We're, we're ineffective by ourselves. We're ineffective not together. They knew these things. Again, they learned this early in his ministry, that they couldn't do anything without him. He was their source. He was their power. When he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to do these things, and you, they knew we can't do anything until he gives us the Holy Spirit. He showed them this and taught them this. Look what it says in verse, uh, John chapter 15. He, he explained to them. He said, I'm the true vine, and the Father is the husbandman. Every branch that's in me uh, that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, look what happens. He purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Sometimes we look in our lives and say, I, mean, I don't like these bad circumstances. Sometimes it's God purging us so that we can bring forth more fruit. I don't like this circumstance. I don't like this trial. I don't like this difficulty. I don't like this season. I don't like, the, I don't like my situation. Sometimes it's God purging us so that we'll bring forth more fruit. 
But he says, look, it bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Listen to what he says. No more can you except you abide in me. So he's saying, look, you can't do anything unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth, look what he says, much fruit. And then look at the next few words. Because without me, you can do nothing. If you're not attached to the vine, if you are not abiding in the vine, you are absolutely ineffective as a child of God in this world. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, he's withered, and men gather it and cast it into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Why is that the case? Why is that promise there? Because you know what God's word says. You know, therefore, what God's will is. You know how to pray, and you pray according to God's will. And when you pray according to God's will, he answers according to his will. So I wish I knew what God wants me to do in this situation. Get in the word of God. Get down on your knees. Get praying. Pray, 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 pray. I don't have an answer yet. Keep praying then. Well, I don't, I don't know. Keep praying then. Keep praying according to God's word, according to his will. The Bible says, if you abide me and my words abide in you, you should ask what you will and it shall be done to you. And then he says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. And that's the way that you'll prove that you're my disciples, is that you bear, bear much fruit. That you bear not just the, the spiritual fruit of a Christian as far as like um, the, the fruits of the Spirit, bearing them and showing them out in the world, love, joy, peace, kindness, you know, self-control, all that kind of stuff, but also the fruit of your life. What is that? Other Christians, other believers, bringing other people to Jesus Christ. So they worshiped him. They prayed together. They fellowshiped. They stayed in doctrine. They were together. This first church, they, they, they realized, okay, Jesus said it. We're going to do it. It's so important. It's real. It's what our lives are about. And because they did that, he would make them effective in his kingdom. Not only is witnessing ineffective without spending time with God, anything we do in this life is ineffective without spending quality time with God. Let me ask you this. Are you feeling drained? Are you feeling, you know what, I, I, I feel ineffective as a Christian right now. I feel weak in my life right now. I, I, I'm kind of, Brother Kyle, feeling a little useless in my life right now. I want to ask this. Then how is your time with God? And I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, doing just, well, uh, this, no. Look, how is your time with God? And how is your time worshiping the Lord? Not just collectively, but individually. He said, but that's the problem. I don't feel like doing it. You have to see the importance of something before you can see that it's important. That's why, yeah, of course. I'm talking about willingly. See, if we don't willingly see the importance of something and grasp it will, ourselves, then I believe as the children of God, God will take us to a place and show us the importance of it. So what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is things that he did like for David. He had to take David to a place, to some places, to show him the importance of trusting him and going his way. What about Daniel? Well, Daniel already had these things, but 
What more did he have to show Daniel? What about Elijah? Ran and hid. God took him to a place and he showed him something. The importance. What about Moses? What about Abraham? What about the Apostle Paul? We can go on and on and on where God takes these men who are following him and are trusting him. Think about Abraham. I, I trust you. All right, take your son up to the mountain and do a sacrifice. Why? I trust you, you know. Why did he have to go through that? Again, sometimes God has to bring us to places and take us through things to show us the importance over and over and over, he takes us to places. He purges us. He teaches us. He teaches us, listen, in our weaknesses and in our weak places. And I believe in those times, he shows us just how much we need to spend time with him. He shows us just how much he truly is the source. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit as well. See, point number two is this. Witnessing is only effective through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's ineffective, completely ineffective without spending time with the Lord, but it's completely effective with the power of the Holy Spirit. John 14, and I'm going to hurry, verse 25, these things have I spoken unto you, yet be, uh, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, look what it says, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said to you. Do you, do you hear what that said? The Holy Spirit's job is not to... to um, uh, I'm going to reveal all of these new things to you. Now, he, he did things for the apostles, absolutely. But he was telling these guys here, he's going to come and he's going to teach you. Not only that, he is going to bring remembrance to you of all the things that I've already told you. This is similar work that happens today. When, when we get in the word of God, what happens? The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, and he brings us into remembrance. Again, that's one of the main reasons and important things that we gather and hear the preaching of God's word. I'm not going to read Acts chapter 1, but you can read that uh, when you when we get an opportunity. But verse 8 says this, though, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's when it was going to happen, that the power of the Holy Spirit would give them the power to be the witnesses that Jesus called them to be. And that's what Acts chapter 1, 8 says. Verse 12 uh, in that same one, it says this, then they returned to Jerusalem after Jesus told them. We know that. They were together. They continued in verse 14 with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says this, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord. Look at this. And great grace or great favor was upon them all. Did you get that? Because these guys went back and they did what Jesus commanded them because they waited for the promise of the Father, because they were together, because they were praying together, they were worshiping together, they were in the Word of God together, because they were all doing these things and waiting on the Lord to do it. The Bible says that He gave great power to them and great grace, great favor was on every single one of them. And, and I think that's what we all want, right? I, I want that. I want God's favor in my life. I want God's favor in your life. But not only that, I want great power, the power of God in my life to be used in my life so that my life is effective for his kingdom. And I think that all of us want that as a child of God. I want God's power in my life. Not only to help me live victoriously uh, and, and, and be, live like an overcomer over the, the sin and the struggles in my life, but I want power to be an effective witness for him. Again, both the power and the favor can only be had and experienced by the Holy Spirit. But I, I hope that you've got along the way what the common denominator has been. 
It's the plurals. That's been the common denominator in all of this. Every single scripture, they, all, them, these, it's the plurals. It's, it, it's been the togetherness. That's why this assembly is so important too. Us, we, our. And it brings us to point number three. Witnessing is cultivated in the collective, in the assembly of the saints. We, we talk about it. We, we preach about it. We, we're reminded about it. Uh, we, we, get, we get on the same page. We find out, hey, what are we doing? How, how is this being carried out? All of these things, again, cultivated in the collective. Can you imagine what was going on in, in that, that upper room? Can you imagine what was going on as they were talking about what they just witnessed and the excitement that they had waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them? The power from on high to... Look, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power that, that, that called him up uh, into heaven, the same power we saw him heal people with, he's talking about coming and living in us, residing in us. I can't wait to see that. The, again, stirring and, and, and exciting them. Uh, way uh, on a completely different level than what was going on in, uh, in that parking lot this last Friday night when we were talking about, uh, I think if we give us some time, get, get worked out some, that we could go down there and, and, and beat these, these high schoolers. You know, the excitement. We could, we, we could do it. We could get together. We, we remember how, how it worked. Way more excitement that these guys had for this kingdom purpose. And we could do this. We can't wait to do this. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost fully come. Again, they all, one accord in one place. In our text, back in our text, Luke 24, they, continue, they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Hebrews chapter 3, look what it says. Take heed, brethren, lest there be at any of you of an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another, look what it says, daily. Exhort one another. Lift each other up. Encourage each other daily while it's called today. Why? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Look, that's what happens, right? You, you get away for a little while. You, you don't show up. You don't connect. You don't, you're not on the same page. And what happens? I feel distant. I feel disconnected. I don't feel like I'm apart. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, what are they talking about? Well, we talked about it last week. Well, I wouldn't hear. Uh, again, it, it begins to happen when we get separate. So every single opportunity we have, the Bible tells us daily to exhort one another so that the, the pull of sin in the world doesn't take effect in our lives. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, look what he says, let us draw near, talking about to the throne of God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast, hold, hold firm to the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he's faithful, that's promised. He's going to do what he said. Let's hold fast to our commitment. Look what it says, verse 24. Not just hold fast to our faith, but let us consider one another. Think about that. That's what I, I shared recently, even about church attendance, is whenever we start thinking that our church attendance is not about us, it changes the dynamic, right? That's what happens. It does. I mean, the same thing as I'm talking about that receiver. When, it, when it's about us, it's not that big of a deal that if we're not here. But when we start thinking, there's other people, oh, it's, it's about the team. It's about the body. It's about the, ca the, the, the call and the goal. It changes it. 
if it's important to us, if we care about what we care about, or say we care about. He said, let us consider one another. Let's think about each other. And in and, and this thinking, let's make sure that we provoke unto love, unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people are doing this. Some people have the habit of not gathering when the body gathers, but exhort one another, lift each other up, and so much more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ approaching. It should be something we say we need to get together because everybody needs everybody. We need each other. That's the way it has been from the very beginning. The apostles went back to Jerusalem and were together and praying and encouraging each other and reminding each other and waiting on God to move. That's the way it's always been. So when we gather, we're here on, the, on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, whatever. Look, there's nothing wrong with talking about our hobbies. That's great. There's nothing wrong with talking about what's happening in our lives, sharing life with each other. There's nothing wrong with, praise God, we, we, we connect and we have similarities and we have differences and, and we're a body. That's, praise God, that's the way it's supposed to be. But man, we get together. Beside the primary reasons of us getting together, of worshiping the risen king, aside from being reminded and, and taught in the word of God, Aside from praying together, aside from bringing first fruits, aside from all these things, when we get together, we should be encouraging each other. We should be exhorting each other. Hey, why don't you come? Hey, be a part. Hey, we've, we got a goal. Hey, there, there, there's, there's a reward. There's a crown at the end. It doesn't look like a trophy with a baseball on top. It's, a, it's, a, it's an eternal crown. Come with us. Come run with us. Come, come, come be a part of the work. Come be a part of the mission. We've got a lot to do and a little time to do it. There's a lot of people. Again, we express our love for God and we express our love for people. It helps us remember that we're in this together. I'm not alone. It's not scary because we have an entire team. We have an entire body and an entire family that we're in this together with. We're on mission together. Lastly, as the musicians come, fourth point is witnessing is an obedient response to the Lord's final charge. Witnessing is, is an obedient response to the Lord's final charge. That's what our, our, our lives are supposed to be used up to, to give the gospel out. That's what Jesus said. Hey, it has to happen so that repentance and the forgiveness of sins is preached in every nation, beginning in Jerusalem. Again, it says in Acts 1.12, they returned to Jerusalem. That's what Jesus commanded them to do. Go back and wait for the promise. What did they do? They had an obedient response. Yes, Lord, we'll go back and wait. Acts chapter 8, what happens? Look at it. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering into uh, every house and hailing men and women, commi uh, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, look what, look what those next words say. Went everywhere preaching the word. There was persecution. It, 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 was, it, was, it was chaotic. But because they were together, because they had one goal, because there was, there was one objective, they were the Lord's team, they were the Lord's family, they were the Lord's army, they were all in it together. When persecution threatened all of their lives and, and they had to spread abroad, you know what they said? We'll go and tell over here. We're go, we'll go and tell over here. We're going to go tell over here. They went everywhere preaching the word. You know, they could have come up with an entrepreneurial plan. They could say, you know what? Step A, 
Point one, this is what we should do, okay? I know Jesus just told us that uh, we're supposed to go back and wait, but let's think about this, all right? Uh, they're mad there in, in, in Jerusalem, okay? But I know my family's under, uh, you know, we're, we're being threatened. I, I just don't, let's, let's figure out how we can do this. Um, let, let's come up with a business plan. Let's come up with, with an idea that we can, we can still do what God wants us to do. Uh, we'll make the church successful. We'll, we'll do this and, and we'll have a master plan. We'll, that's what we'll do. We'll come up with just a great devised plan. Listen, there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with preparing. There's nothing wrong with plans in general. There's nothing wrong with conferences. There's nothing wrong with learning. None of those things is wrong unless it comes without prayer and it's substituted for obedience to God's word. Not only that, when we make plans, when we say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Please listen. When we make plans, we need to make sure and leave those plans at the Lord's feet. This is my plan, Lord, but here, it's at your feet. Because at any time, the Lord can come along and say, you know what, that's your plan. Now here's my plan. And it's better. Now better to us, please understand this may actually look bad to us at first. I don't like that, God. I don't want to do that, God. But that's where prayer, that's where the Holy Spirit, that's where trust in Him. That, that, it takes us to a place of acceptance that His ways are better. His thoughts are higher. Jer Jeremiah 29 says that. He's talking to the, 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 the children of Israel in captivity. He's saying, look, I know you're here, but I've got a future. I've got a plan for you. But if you'll seek me with, uh, I'll do these things, you'll seek me with everything that you have. Again, it started with obedience, even in the little. Go back and wait? Okay. That's, that's, that's where it started. That's where these apostles got it right. They weren't perfect, they weren't sinless, but where they got it right was Jesus said, look, I want you to go back and wait on the Holy Spirit. And then you'll, he'll take it from there. And so they were obedient even in the little bit. And that's where I pray that we don't miss the boat in 2018. You know, we, we, our lives are so complex, and we have so many things going on, and so many people are trying to get there, and, and, and sometimes we can negotiate with God and what we're going to be obedient in and what we're not going to be obedient in, and we end up missing the whole blessing of God. I'm in church. Praise God. That's so, that's so important. Look, people, we've got a goal. We've got a mission. We've got a game plan. It's very clear. It's been in place for 2,000 years. And it's getting closer to his return. We should all be on board with doing what he's charged us to do. It's his final charge. He could have said anything. He could have said, look, I've got a plan for you, and this is what I want you to do. He could have said anything. And his last charge to his, his disciples were going to every nation and preach the gospel. Baptize them, teach them to follow me in obedience. Let's make sure that we're on board. Let's make sure that we don't miss the boat because we begin to negotiate where we're going to be obedient and where we're not. Let's be obedient, even in the little, so that God will pour out his full blessings in our life. If you're here this morning, again, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've said a prayer, maybe you've been in church, maybe you've gone through religious motions, but you know in your heart you've never surrendered to him. You've never given him control of your life. You've never laid down your life. You know 
you've never done that. I want to invite you to come. We'll have a couple of ministers here, and they can show you in God's Word how that, you know, how that can happen, how you can know you can have eternal life, and settle that matter here this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word and the reminder this morning that we do have a plan. It's not new. Lord, you made it very clear that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, you made it clear that we are to be praying for all that are in authority, that, uh, that you don't want anybody uh, to be lost. You want all men to be saved. You made it clear that you so love the world that you sent your only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God, it's clear what our purpose is on this life. And yes, we have so many blessings. We have family. We have activities. We have enjoyable things that we have in this temporal world, and we thank you for those things. But none of those things, and, and nothing in this world, is more important than you and your purpose. And so I pray that we would live our lives like that, that you are the most important thing. You are the most important person. And your plan for us, your purpose, your mission, is the most important thing to live for. Help us as a church to do that. Lord, help us be together. Help us have the same mind, the same heart. Help us to experience that same power that First Church did because of the togetherness and obedience. I pray you move now in Jesus' name.